Today's guest is Lene Braxton. Now, Lene, her name may seem a little familiar to you if you are listening to the podcast regularly. Uh, she was one of my first guests who was on the podcast, and we had some really interesting conversation related to ethnicity and exercise and wellness, and I just thought it was really uh, moving and gripping, and it just I was wanted to have her back again. And um, luckily, Lene has decided to come back on the show, and uh, so we can have an extension of our conversation we had before. And she's up to some really cool things. And that's one of the things I love the most about the podcast that I want the most for it is that over time, we have people back. So the people that you've listened to in the conversations, you get an update on what they're doing in their lives as they continue to grow and progress professionally and personally. And I think you guys are going to be uh, excited to hear what Lene is up to now, some pretty big things. And so I'm looking forward to you guys listening to this podcast. And uh, I bring to you for the second time, Lene Braxton. How are you? How are you doing? I, I am well. I'm well. How are you? I'm feeling good. Feeling good. good. And you know, That's you are awesome. the first person to be on the show for a second time. The first person. Oh, really now? That's a real I, honor, you know. I am honored. <laughs> I am honored. I really am. No, I'm humbled, seriously, when you and I talk. And I love that. But, but from a serious serious perspective i am really really honored awesome thank you yeah thank you it was, mm-hmm. it, was it was fun speaking last time and then we we entered into some really interesting topics which i think um you know it's it, it's it's almost somewhat a little bit niche topics you know for certain folks but i i just really mm-hmm. loved it because i thought it was some good conversation and you know the podcast is all about good conversation it's what it is it's chatting with people in a real authentic way no script we're just chatting you know, yes, so. I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's interesting that you do say uh, niche conversation, mm-hmm. because uh, I would agree with you. I think that as human beings, we are all, I apologize, is there any feedback that you're getting? No, no, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, there, as human beings, I think it's all relative. There are things that are important to all of us. But from a universal perspective, I feel like there's a shift happening. And Mm. what normally would be a niche conversation, ultimately, I think is having a ripple effect in our society. And people are more open to blurring the lines, if you will, of going into a realm that maybe one segment of the population would have been interested in. And so I'm, I'm happy to see that. So give me an example. Tell me a little bit more. Let's dive deeper on that. Yeah, sure. Um, Going into what we spoke of last time, just really talking about from a a high level, wellness and race. Yes. And uh, ethnicity even going even a little bit further, because, as you know, in the, the African diaspora, there, there may be someone from Panama or, uh, South America, who may have brown skin, the same as yours and mine, actually yeah. have a good friend uh, who is from Panama, her family. She still has dual citizenship. And I bring her up because she's a, a track star. She also is a physical therapist by trade and uh, but has a very different experience 
than someone else. Let's say growing up in in the rural South, right. that may be African American, but still you look at them, and it's the same. So going even deeper uh, into to that subject, not necessarily color, but breaking yeah. it down even a little more into ethnicity. Well, I think we were also we were discussing what I thought was interesting. It was like trap yoga and stuff like that. And yes. We're discussing kind of, uh, you know, African-Americans in Atlanta, mm-hmm. in different places and how fitness is or wellness is perceived, you know. And we started talking about hair, mm-hmm. you know, black women in hair. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, a lot of people are just not aware of that. They're just not aware of how... Maybe, you know, a person's uh, hair and, you know, grade of hair, you know, affects how they feel about sweating and fit and being active and things of that nature. I just thought it was fascinating conversation because that's not a conversation I'm having with a lot of people. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) I can understand and respect that. You know, know, it's a blessing and a curse because I think one of the reasons we, we did need a part two is because there are so many rich, full topics within this niche topic if you will on a high level that we could delve into and so a blessing in that it is so rich it is so full and then in a a curse in that there's a burden or no not a burden let me speak in the affirmative about this there is a responsibility for those of us that do have platforms to to enlighten educate and inform people that this is this is a thing, if you will. Yeah, I, and well, I think also we're we're a demographic of people that, um, you know, exercise, wellness, and all that has not mm-hmm. always been hugely pushed in our communities and and to us growing up. And what I've seen, that's only my personal opinion, you know, and what my my observation is. I, you know, I, I didn't, I grew up all around the world, so I didn't grow up in black communities at all. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it just wasn't, I mean, I, my parents did mm-hmm. um, growing up, but like, because my dad was in the military, we were exposed to a variety of different things. But what I have seen right. is a lot of like, there's really no like specific ideas of wellness. It was more like exercise through sports. Mm, it's I like, see. okay, athletics mm-hmm. is the way to get ahead. Okay. So you're fitter maybe because you're playing football, basketball, running track or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was more of like about the, the reason is to kind of find a way to gain notoriety, maybe get a scholarship, try to become mm-hmm. professional. But the conversation that I see is never about fitness though, or wellness. Yes. It's just like a way to get ahead, but not the actual health benefits of it. Yeah. I have to agree with that. And there's so many directions that we could go into, Darian, with that that subject. Uh, for starters, just acknowledging the fact that you are uh, well-traveled and have a little mm-hmm. bit of a different experience by having uh, a, a parent that, or military parent mm-hmm. and being a part of a military family. I think that's huge because what it has done is it's giving you just such a broader perspective. So that's a gift. And then someone like myself that although I was born in LA, but grew up in Durham, North Carolina yeah. in the South, I still grew up in a very diverse environment. When I think about our, our elementary, middle and high school, I, I see people of different races, very few different uh, 
ethnicities or very few ethnicities right but quite a quite a few um if you want to look in terms of black and white uh and you know in the 80s that's really what we were doing at the time although that paradigm has changed uh i'd like to say that we had a very diverse environment when we grew up and most of us were kind of mingled in together and i think that uh when i talked to other friends that grew up in the south that was not their experience so i think we were just um fortunate in that way to be exposed to different cultures and races and things like that then going a little further as we branched off and went to college because of coming from a family of educators. I think that I may have taken for granted that college was expected right? Uh, regardless of, of scholarship. It was just expected. And I think that there were other, um, others of my peers that did go to school on athletic scholarships, even if they didn't necessarily have to. Um, right. And I do think that those scholarships are conduit to to education for a lot of people, but not necessarily fitness. And I also think that's because the healthcare system and, and sports doesn't necessarily train self-care or wellness. Yeah. And so you're doing it for the sport, but you're not necessarily exercising for yourself and for your health. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I... That's just something I, I have, from my observation, is I feel like a, a lot of folks, you know, especially in our our ethnicity, it's like, okay, the sports element is just a way to get ahead, you know, financially, mm-hmm. economically. It's seen as a route to maybe get an education, um, but there's not enough conversation about, hey, this is great for your physical health and wellness aspect yeah. of it. You're, you're creating a lifelong habit. I mean, obviously, you're doing a sport. You, you mm-hmm. may not be, you know, you're not playing football your whole life or you may not be doing gymnastics your whole life or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, these these are gateways into health and wellness if you allow them. So there's to me needs to be more conversation about, hey, this is OK. Yes, it's great. You're playing. You're doing athletics and it teaches you mm-hmm. so many different things about time management and character building and all that. But we kind of gloss over the health aspect of it with it we do i just don't understand do. it's because it's not glamorous it's not being it put is. out there it's like hey you run this football you throw this football and mm-hmm. you can make 30 million dollars whatever mm-hmm. but meanwhile a lot of athletes once they're done playing uh mm-hmm. they end up in pretty poor physical condition and now a lot of that is you know sometimes mm-hmm. if it's football it's the physicality mm-hmm. of it you know the right. injuries but additionally, yeah. it's the lack of understanding how to take care of yourself because mm-hmm. you're not getting a structured environment environment anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, you make some a- excellent points, Darian, because I think uh, that there's there's two uh, real issues, especially since we're talking about football and football's top of mind. And you did mention the elite and professional level. Uh I think that's one of the reasons why I am so passionate about the sports psychology aspect Mm -hmm. and uh, mental skills training, as well as uh, athlete wellness. There is a definite disconnect between an athlete's playing career, be it at the elementary, uh, post-collegiate, collegiate, and even uh, professional and elite levels, even getting into Olympic athletes, there's a huge disconnect 
between the playing of a sport and then the transitioning from the sport and just daily life, whether that be physical wellness or mental wellness or even both. And I think there's a huge need for that gap there uh, to be to be closed a bit. Well, I think we're we're a society that is many times pretty bad in general with transitions for people. You know, we have, you know, military veterans, they come back from tours and deployments and we're not very good at transitioning them back into life. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have athletes and they finish playing. And while they're made, the NFL or the programs may say, oh, we have these programs for them, you know, things Mm -hmm. of that nature. But it does, it, you know, it's not necessarily just you're basically going from doing something forever in your life. And then you say, OK, now we're not doing that anymore. And you're starting right. something brand new. You're just in. And they say, oh, they have all this money. They have all this money. So they should be able to hire these people. And still, you just need to know where to find the right resources. And, mm-hmm. and if it's actually important uh, to you. So I yes. think it's like a very layered conversation. Um, I agree. We right. Because five there. Five I talked days, to somebody so. the other day on mm-hmm. the podcast about how do we get more people to be, well, we had a huge conversation, but it was basically about like, you know, if you look at the percentages of people who are exercising regularly, mm-hmm. you know, the numbers are not moving up. They're not increasing. Yeah. It's, and, and you're getting more mainstream recognition of health and wellness programs but not mm-hmm. that mum number is not moving up. It is not. I agree with with that wholeheartedly. And I also believe when you mention resources, mm-hmm. that's a huge word. It literally sent off bells and whistles mm-hmm. and red flags and yeah. all of that in my mind because um, leaving athletes just for a moment and just talking about access um, or staying on athletes where if you've had state of the art, fitness facilities your whole life Mm -hmm. where do you go as a regular person if you no no longer have access to that but people may still recognize you you Mm -hmm. have no anonymity you can't just be a real person Mm -hmm. that's one aspect then another aspect what if you're from a, a low income environment and you're just trying to put food on your table where do you go to exercise if you may risk getting shot when you get off work and um, it isn't safe. You know, taking a walk, maybe in the park, but you also have small kids. So there, there are all these things. And then somewhere in the middle where you have corporate America or people that are working 10, 12, 14 hour days, that's where corporate wellness comes in. And even if your office has a beautiful facility, do you, is it actually, encouraged to use that facility exactly (laughs) i just literally got off the phone with this lady her name's uh marie fleckinger and she was Mm. she's transitioning from a a 25-year career in insurance and kind of sad you know that after all that time they dropped her after 25 years she was let go and she was like wow this is really disappointing you know and Mm -hmm. she she wants to move into health and wellness Mm -hmm. and but she was discussing how you know, um, you know, different jobs, they'll have, you know, wellness facilities and stuff, but is it encouraged to actually use it? You know, you can have build something really beautiful, but if the management's mm-hmm. like, hey, I need production, you can't leave your work, your desk or whatever, and go spend an hour to, 
you know, mm-hmm. help, you know, move yourself physically and help yourself mentally. And I think that's the problem is, you know, we can have these things. We may even have the access to it. But if you're not giving people the time to actually do it, I, I don't think a lot of employers are encouraging it because I think they're dinosaurs. They may yeah. say, oh, we have to have this. But their mm-hmm. mentality has not changed about people using it. They may mm-hmm. say we have to build it, but we don't know about the people actually giving them time to use it. Yes. And since that, and since corporate wellness is definitely um, one of your expertise, and since I also uh, work in that environment and have Mm -hmm. clients in the corporate facilities, um, it's very true. First of all, my heart goes out to Marie. Happy to help her in any way I can. Just want to say that. She's great. Awesome. Yeah. And then, second off, uh, since she sees that need, I would encourage her to figure out a way, even starting small. I know when a company releases you, sometimes the first inclination is not to really want to be involved with them. But what what I did when I left corporate America a few years ago is then went back in and the, the employees became my students, some of them outside of the facility, some of them inside of the facility, and just once a week class because I knew what it felt like yeah. to, to be in an environment and, and this was TV. So it was really hectic, really busy. Um, I knew what it felt like though, to not be able to get away when you yeah. had had a deadline. Um, so that, that's something that I think is, is really, really uh, unspoken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. There's so much, uh, there and I was there. I, something came up in my mind. I'm not sure if you're mm-hmm. familiar with this, um, but I was like, I want to talk to Lene about this because <laughs> it was very interesting. Well, on, my father went to an HBC, a college. He went to yes. Virginia State. Oh and yeah. I, I have. I don't know how I feel about HBCs completely, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting. Jamel Hill. I'm not sure if you know who she is. Yes, um, but, I do. Right. Okay. So uh-huh. she came out with some pretty controversial statements related to HBCs and basically how you know a lot of you know HBCs should have better athletes and more prominent programs, but a lot mm-hmm. of the black players are going to these you know, Alabama, Mm -hmm. they're going Mm -hmm. to Clemson and Mm -hmm. that, you know, those players should be basically going to HBCs Mm -hmm. to help bring that up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was, I don't know. I was, I didn't have a good feeling about it. Honestly, the statement, I'm more of like, I get it. I get it. But -hmm. the other thing is like that kid's getting an opportunity where they're at too. I mean, it's not like they're going to Alabama. Alabama's producing tons of NFL athletes for that. And they're getting, you know, they're going there to getting an education and stuff. But I, I don't know if it's like putting those schools on blast for the betterment of HBCs is the way to do things. That's just my opinion. But I I don't know if you had heard that or what your thoughts were related to it. Yes. And this is a conversation that I have frequently amongst my, our peers, mm-hmm. um, especially being in Atlanta, Georgia, that has a huge, huge population of HBCU graduates. Right. Um, I, I will say this. I did not attend an HBCU myself. And just my, for everybody knows, yeah. this means historically black college. Just yes, might be yes. people listening like, what the hell is an HBCU? Yes, really? yes. <laughs> and they added the U. Um, yeah, to, right. Yeah. So now HBCU, HBCUs, yeah, yeah. for instance. Um, and, and then the, just a little history on them. 
HBCUs were created when we as people of color were not allowed to attend mainstream right. universities. So that there was a need at the time. For and sure. um, a lot of the HBCUs have produced just brilliant scholars and, and just world-renowned individuals and provided wonderful education. So I am, I like you, I am uh, definitely a believer in HBCUs and have parents that attended HBCUs. Oh, awesome. How, yes, however, they did not necessarily encourage me to. So I'm not sure if that is a similar um, experience that, that you I had. did. My dad would, yeah. he never encouraged me to go. It wasn't like mm-hmm. he tried like yeah. hard to not. He was just like, he was like, go where you want to go. Like that's like mm-hmm. that works for you. Don't do it because, you know, I went to one. I just never felt the pull for it. You yeah. know, yes. For yes. And and that's understandable. I actually did want to attend an HBCU, mm-hmm. but the tuition, I the scholarship uh, academically was just a small stipend. And right. and it just my family couldn't see how it would be feasible for me right. to attend this private institution when I was literally being offered whatever I wanted academically. Yeah, yeah not even athletically, but academically um, by by other schools. So I, yeah. I, I stayed in North Carolina. But yeah. I, but I, um, I understand what Jamel, so much respect for her. She She's doing some great work out there actually we're connected on LinkedIn as well yeah I I think that the there is some validity to what she is saying as I mentioned my husband attended an HBCU and his Mm -hmm. parents did also so there is some validity uh to what she's saying however the same reason that HBCUs were needed uh, at, at the beginning of, of the 18th, of the 19th century is that we could not have any other option. Right. And I just think it depends on, on the, the person. It, everyone has the ability to choose. And if they're offered a better deal, because now <laughs> let's face it, right. education is valuable, but it really is more or less a business transaction because once you get to that university you never really know how it's going to go either you have a kid at duke who literally almost ended his career because of a shoe and or you have a kid in an hbcu that wants resources and may be getting nurtured in certain ways but it's not giving any playing time Right. So if, if uh, we're going to talk athletes, and since that's what Jamel was, was speaking on, well, I'll stick with that, then it just depends on who offers a better deal. That's my thought. I now, think so, too. Yeah. Now, I do believe, though, that sowing seeds and giving back to HBCUs and making sure that everyone has a fair opportunity is necessary also. So what I, I have also also seen there isn't a one size fits all or just a one way to do something well let's just give back let's collaborate which hbcus let's create foundations and uh let's welcome everyone because alternately there are non-minority students attending hbcus now right because they're getting a lot of scholarships at um my husband's alma mater florida a&m university there are a lot of uh, Caucasian tennis tennis uh, players, right. and students. Right, they're like, "Hey, these scholarships are available. We'll go there." 
That's and right. in the meantime, they're getting a, a, a first class education, a wonderful education. That's exactly education. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it works both ways. I think that, you know, it's, I get the idea of like, you want to elevate, let me say like the sports program at an HBCU. Mm-hmm. Like I look at like what I saw Steph Curry's doing where he's funding Howard University's golf program, men's and women's golf program for the next six years. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I yes. think that's it wouldn't have happened without him doing it. I think that's a really good way of helping it out. But to say like, exactly. okay, this prominent five-star recruit has to go to Grambling, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, they have to go wherever just so it can elevate that program. That person might be like, listen, that may be a good idea. It's just that mm-hmm. right now, if that person's like, hey, this guy is like the number one quarterback in high school, He's going to go where the potential to be in the NFL is the greatest, and it's not through an HBCU. I mean, could it be one day? It could be. And maybe her thing is, well, that's what needs to happen for that to happen. And maybe it could be. But right now, it's just now we're at it. And it's, I agree. It's just what's mm-hmm. the better deal? People are looking at it not mm-hmm. about ethnicity. It's like, what's the better deal for me? And you what's know? the priority? I mean, are we, yeah. do, do we really want to go backwards in a sense? <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, and so, yes, thank you for mentioning Steph Curry. That was a perfect example of, of my belief to answer your question and that there mm-hmm. are multiple ways of doing things. And yeah. although Steph, Steph decided to stay in North Carolina and attend Davidson College, he still has been able to give back. Had he gone to Howard? maybe he wouldn't be the Steph Curry we know today. And maybe, maybe he wouldn't have yeah. the resources. We just don't know. We or don't maybe know. he would have. Doug Williams right. that played for the, yes. uh, yeah, for the mm-hmm. Redskins, went to Grambling and then came back. But that was a different time, even 30 years ago. It's true. You know, so. Hmm. There's not producing a lot of, mm-hmm. I think the thing is not producing a lot of like major talent in professional leagues. Mm-hmm. Like I remember like Steve McNair, uh, who passed yes, away. Yes. He went to Alcorn State. You know, I used to watch mm-hmm. a lot of those Alcorn State games. It was just amazing. Yes. And it wasn't like, it was just like the talent was produced from there. It wasn't mm-hmm. like this big push. And I think sometimes, I think with the comment with Jamel, it's like sometimes you just got to let that happen. You know, yes. I, I understand the need to want to push, mm-hmm. but you're not going to push these five-star, you know, five-chip recruits to play, to play at Savannah State just because it's an HBCU. You know, right. if, if Savannah State ain't playing anybody and they're not producing, you know, they may have produced Shannon Sharp, but that's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's just what's the better deal. And until an HBCU produces a better deal, mm-hmm. then, you know, they're, they're just going to go to uh, Oklahoma. They're going to go to Alabama. They, you know, they're right. going to go to Florida University, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and kids, you know. It's so true. It's so true. And and the thing is, even though most of our um, great grandparents and ancestors are no longer here to tell us this, it's my belief that this was their dream all along. Right. Not to necessarily negate the HBCUs, because there's definitely still a need uh, sure. And a rich, valuable history and education. And, and maybe this this isn't a popular comment, but I like to think that their dream was that we could just get an education um, as yeah. people of color or anyone could just get an education and a good one and to have all of the opportunities and to even the playing field. But um, yeah, 
It's interesting. Very interesting. I just find I just I was reading that and I was just like, I don't know how I feel about that and had to really yeah. step back because I don't like to make like a rash mm-hmm, comment mm-hmm. about something. I really want to think about it and say, how does this make me feel? And I was like, man, I like a lot of what Jamel has done. And she's at the Atlantic now. And I think it's a really good opportunity to really say what she wants to say without maybe the handcuffs of ESPN and a more of a a giant machine, you know. But I think you got to be responsible with your words and careful of how you articulate them. And I felt like what Steph Curry did, he didn't say anything. He just did it. He just did it. He he just went and did it. And then there was coverage of it. Yeah, he was like, he wouldn't say, oh, guess what, guys? I'm going to be funding Howard's, you know, men's women's go. He just did it. He just did it. And then the press came out about it. And I thought that was the way. It's better to just do than to always say stuff all the time. You know, I agree. And as a journalist, you know, granted, was Jamel, and I can't speak for her, but was she trying to create an environment that the conversation be started? Right. And uh, hold certain athletes to task possibly but also I um, don't think that that you have to necessarily say things that people that may not know the history and background may take a certain way because occasionally when someone says something it almost does more harm than good (laughs) right (laughs) right right Uh, it's it's just fascinating to me. I think there's many ways to go back and help different communities. And it's yeah. not just HBCUs. It's just different places. And, and how somebody spends their money and how they want to help mm-hmm. a community is their personal prerogative. Yes. You know, yes. and I can't fault a person for that. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I said, I love what Steph did. I thought it was a great move. Um, he loves golf. It's not like he did something he didn't care about. He loves right. golfing. Right. He wanted to make an impact. And without that, him doing that, they're not having that program. They haven't had it, yes. you know? So I just, I just love uh, those types of things, but it's, you know, these cultural arguments are very interesting in terms mm-hmm. of the time we're living in because there's so much divisiveness and yes. interesting commentary related to that, you know, from pol- politics to sports, to entertainment, it's all over the place at this point. It is, it is. And Sometimes it is very discouraging, um, to, to be honest with you. I just feel that in a lot of ways, we've stagnated. And then in other ways, we've moved forward. <laughs> then we've also moved backward. So I want Some, you to explain yeah. that. I want to hear, I want examples of that because I, I'm, I'm interested in your take on that. I, I think when I say, I think I mentioned, uh, move forward first. I think that, again, just going back to, since it's top of mind, we were just speaking of, we as people of color don't necessarily have to attend HBCUs. Yeah. That's definitely forward progress. We are allowed, you know, schools have been integrated. (laughs) That is forward progress. Yeah, of course, yeah. Stagnation, I think, because there is such a disparity and we go back to health and wellness, uh, obesity, the numbers aren't increasing and in, in who's exercising the obesity rates and food deserts in mm-hmm. minority communities are rampant. And yes, I, I think that is stagnation. Definitely is, is just at a standstill. And then moving backward, 
I definitely think the divisiveness that you were speaking of and the underhanded, unspoken, and oftentimes spoken racism and bigotry that exists and hatred, just pure hatred, um, is definitely a step backwards. I do. Um, Specific examples. How much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) I got time. Um, Yeah, yeah. I, I will have to say, though, because it can be so discouraging, I really do try to live in the light and stay yeah. as positive as possible and just do what I can to help um, in effort to hopefully inspire people to move forward with pro- progress and to help. We could talk about food deserts, for instance. I noticed that you had someone on, um, an African-American lady. I haven't listened to that episode yet but oh Denise wonderful yes man you guys yeah you guys are very similar people you would love talking (laughs) to we got to get you guys together I would love it I would absolutely love it well then there's forward progress an opportunity for forward progress me from a movement and and psychological perspective mind body medicine perspective and then Denise from a, a nutrition and food perspective now I know someone to refer people to so then we yeah. reach community members that may not necessarily want anyone or to do it, but if someone that looks like them comes about, then maybe they'd be more open. So that's an opportunity yeah. for progress. So I just, um, rather than getting into the, the details and um, things that are, are going on that are so negative and are so discouraging, I just really, yeah, want to focus on how we can help make a difference moving forward. Really you know what do. I think was very interesting to me is mm-hmm. I think sometimes, you know, thing, things have gotten better and sometimes things are a little bit worse. I mm-hmm. think it's, it's incumbent upon people of color. And this, this, is, this is not just black people. This right. is just right. people of color. Like, oh yeah, I think you have a responsibility to present the best aspect of yourself. Yes. You know, and because the things change when people see people of color doing great things. Yes. But unfortunately, there's still the stigma, I think, when somebody of color does something mm-hmm. really bad, people yes. attach that, the, the, the racist or stereotypical elements of racism to that person. And I think sometimes the people who are not, who are doing things that are just really foul or they're just really like, oh man, it's a bad mm-hmm. representation of themselves. They yes. forget it's also representation of being a black person too. Right. At the same right. time. Or and a Latina. I, you know, or a Latina, or, yeah. Right. Or, or whatever American, it may be. Yeah. Thai you know. American. Yes. But, I, but unfortunately we mm-hmm. get hit a lot, mostly. We get hit a ton with that. We do. And so do Spanish folks and stuff like, you know, Hispanic yeah. people and all that. Yeah. But but like black people, just our history in the country is still very present on some level, that kind of ancient feeling about us. And it is. it's just, yes. you know, when somebody says, I can't stand this man, when people, oh, he speaks so well. That guy speaks really well on TV, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, he's, and he's black, right? They never say right. that about the white commentator. Oh, he speaks really well. Right. You know? Right. And it, that's like a kickback, you know? It I mean? is. It's like... it is. It's, it, it really isn't a compliment at all. It's not a compliment. What are you, what are you saying? What, how, are, how are we supposed to speak? Right. <laughs> but then on the opposite, though, I watch a lot of sports talk. Mm-hmm. Um, 
then I see black commentators who then, then they say, oh, well, let me ask you a question or especially. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like cringing because I'm like, the, the word is ask, mm -hmm. not X or mm -hmm. especially. So then you start thinking, oh man, like at least me, I'm like, see, this is what they think of us. Like we can't speak correctly, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. can't pronounce yeah. words right. And it becomes this back and forth, like, okay, I want you to speak better, but like, <laughs> but well, wait a minute, if you speak well, then like, oh, he must be very educated. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah. And it's plus, weird. I'm, I will say a Southern, uh, a Southernism, if you will, bless their hearts, because usually a lot of those commentators are still the same little boys that grew up yeah, it, yeah. It, in environments and played wonderful sports and know the game so well. Yeah, of course. And are great on TV, but haven't quite gotten. <laughs> I'm just saying, but you know, it's like, I get comments down. from people about yeah. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I have some like yeah. white uh, clients and they're, they're mm -hmm. like, that guy, like, why does he say X? Like the, like yeah. X, A-X. I'm like, you just never learned to say it properly. <laughs> I don't know. And right? then you're you know, like, representing. Yeah. Those. That's right. People, then I have to yeah. explain why all black people, you know, on TV, whatever, or why Michael Irvin yeah. talks like that on TV or why Reggie Bush can't say ask, mm -hmm. you know, or so. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not saying he does, but it's just like just throwing out stuff, you know, and it's no, like you're charged, it. you're charged with like the responsibility we are. of how people in our ethnicity act. Whereas I don't see, you know, you know, white people, they're not charged with that. They you know, are not. Some bum is out there like, oh, whatever, that guy, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not, it, that's not part of our whole thing. You know? Right. Maybe they can claim him as one of their. Yeah, yeah. And maybe yeah. not, depending on what day it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> know, they, it's funny. Yes, they are expected to, to represent him. And yeah. Yes. Uh, it's interesting that you speak of conversation. Just really quickly, I had a really neat experience being a part of a conversation with 100 Black women. I wanted to get into this, so it's a good segue, for sure. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for uh, wanting to talk about it as a Black man. I know sometimes any, it doesn't matter what race or ethnicity, ethnicity you are, when it comes to a whole bunch of women talking, yeah, men, right? men of all <laughs> want right. to run. So thank you for being open to just talking oh. about it a little well, bit. Well, sounds interesting to me. You know? Yes, yes. Um, from a, a logistical perspective, I'll just say major, major network, since for whatever reasons with branding and marketing and all of that, uh, won't necessarily even say, I'll let you say it if you want to, what network it was, but a network came up with a show to actually have an audience of 100 black women in a room with three panelists. There's a male host and they're different topics from love, marriage, let's see, mental health, mind, body, and soul. Uh, so many other topics, but there were four episodes. I'll be on the fourth one talking about mind, body, and soul in particular mental health and how our community thinks that it's taboo right now this is yeah. the oprah winfrey network correct? yes yes it is right it so is. this so is a big deal this it. is this is a big deal i'm talking to oprah winfrey here <laughs> yes, uh, yes. I mean, as always oprah's crossed all lines in all demographics lines. i mean she's just 
So yes, so you're talking about mental health and um, you know in, in the black community. And mm-hmm. it was interesting because there is a stigma with that, that a stigma of weakness that people associate with mental health services in yes. the black community. So I'm thinking this is what you're talking about a little bit. Yes, yes. And and because what I do with my company is so much a combination of mental and physical health, I strongly believe in combining exercise and mental health care together for preventative health care, for sustainable health care, and then for maintenance and recovery of existing health challenges. I'm strongly, strongly a believer in that. And this is what I'm speaking of. We had a psychiatrist uh, in the audience. We had a comedian, an author, and an actress on the panel. And then we had wonderful, beautiful Black women, 100 of us in the audience. They were all vetted and selected through a casting agency and a huge application process uh, to to kind of speak on behalf of Black women. Mm -hmm. Even though that was the case, there were women that literally said, I don't have time to meditate. Accomplished, yeah. brilliant women. We just, I feel, have not made it a priority as a culture. And I'm really, really passionate about helping other women of color and other men of color know that self-care is okay. And there's, there's a really big... Uh, crusade, if you will. There's us out there that are, are trying to <laughs> to shout from the rooftops how good it is. But then, at the same time, looking in the mirror and practicing what we preach is really important also. But what is the, you know... I think for the listeners, it'd be, you know, for some people, I've learned this with people in different ethnicities that are mm-hmm. not black, especially mm-hmm. if you're not exposed to it, you have no clue what we're talking about. You'll go, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Why would black people not be into mental health? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, what is, what are, what do you think or know? What do you think the origins of this is? Um, I have my own thoughts on it, mm-hmm. um, but I'd be interested to hear yours related to why there's been such a stigma related to it. Yes. And Darian, I'd actually like to hear your thoughts. Of course. Because I am, and it may be because I'm so ingrained in learning remedies and treatments <laughs> at this juncture yeah. in my life and career that I have become perplexed or maybe far removed from that. So I really would love to hear your thoughts. Well, like I said, I I didn't grow up in black communities Mm -hmm. uh, and such, but I've been around them Mm -hmm. throughout my life and stuff and family members. And I think just my observation primarily is that there's this over, this hyper masculinity, especially for men of, You know, and I, I may be really off with this, so I'm sure somebody may listen to this and be like, that's garbage. I, you know, I don't know. This is just my thing. Opinion, I think in the yeah. black community, there is just hyper masculinity syndrome and, and impoverished neighborhoods where men are not taught how to actually be men hmm. because their mothers raised them primarily. Mm-hmm. And so the father figures and, and many times in impoverished neighborhoods, black neighborhoods are very absent. 
-hmm. And because of that, a man has to learn how to be a man from other people or uh, other children or other people growing up who also don't know what it's like to be that. So then they develop this hyper masculine behavior that, you know, don't be weak, be strong. Mm -hmm, You're, mm -hmm. you just be super strong. You know, you don't, you know, that's weakness. So you need to talk to somebody about, you know, mentally what's going on. If you have, you know, that's weakness. And for some reason that has become a pervasive thing in the black community of, oh, you don't need that. Why would yeah. you need that? You know, yeah. you're a strong person, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it comes down to me of the question of what it means to be a man. And that is beyond ethnicity. Yeah. And I think what we've been taught about being a man, especially in impoverished communities, is completely mm-hmm. wrong. It's completely wrong. Yeah. It's I completely agree. ridiculous. It's this hyper masculine machismo. Being a man has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Literally has nothing to do with being that type of person, you know, or a a super conflict, you know, Mm -hmm. let's meet conflict with conflict constantly because you see violence and you, Mm -hmm. you learn Mm -hmm. how to deal with things through violence and conflict and disruption that has nothing to do with being a man and especially being a black man. And it's just hurting our perception amongst people when for every, and I hate to say this, but for every, like, I don't know if you've been following, like, Antonio Brown and all those oh, antics yes. he's been doing and yes. all of that, that stuff hurts us. Yes. You know, to the average viewer, they look at that, they go, he's just crazy. You yes. know, if so, maybe a white person, to me as a black person, and I feel this as I've gotten older, I'm like, mm-hmm. he's making it worse for me. Yes. <laughs> you know, it may not be yes. true, but, like, he's disrespecting himself but also disrespecting our culture because you're on a platform where you need to represent yourself better yes. because it's not just yourself. You're representing us too, whether you want to or not, or not. It doesn't matter if or you don't not. believe that you're not, it's not your responsibility. It is. It is. It just is. You're carrying an anchor, whether you want it or not, that thing is around your neck and you need to remember that. You know, yes. and I think I just I think this this hyper masculine, um, you know, I think masculinity is great about all that. But mm-hmm. it's like hyper masculine where it's like over the top. It's unbalanced. You know, unbalanced. It's unbalanced. You know, it's, it's hit the scales. And, it's hit the scales. Um, and I think so profound. people learning that. Yeah. It's very profound that you said that. So just touching briefly on Antonio Brown, he's definitely got enough airtime recently (laughs) (laughs) um you know acknowledging that he's standing on the shoulders of jim brown and the late great walter payton and Mm. just athletes that had no other choice but to to represent themselves and even in the midst of of uprising and what was called militant behavior Mm -hmm. uh, in his day jim brown still was a class act Right. <laughs> and so right. I, I say all that to say what you said is very profound and the hyper-masculinity is, is huge and the showboating and just um, a sense of being untouchable Yeah. and the rules don't apply. That definitely, I think, contributes to not wanting to seek help. I, I hope that there's a therapist that Mr. Brown is working with. Hopefully. Uh, you know, I, yeah. because the, the, there are classic signs of 
of some deep psychological issues and right. then into accusations that's another thing there sure. I just think that and then when I spoke um, with 100 black women when we were speaking with each other their their perspective was time just not having enough time mm-hmm. um, one woman was speaking of being a single mother and the oldest in her family and and my only cringeworthy moments were that I really wanted to root for us and wanted us to shine and wanted our magic to show. And sometimes I feel like we get so deep into the trenches. I understand being a black woman can be traumatic at times. I understand that being black or a person of color or being a woman, heck, even being born can be traumatic. There are levels of trauma at every phase of life. I understand that. So not to negate that at all or discredit, but at the same time, we have to, at some point, realize that we can't keep doing the same things to get a different result because that is the definition of insanity. And uh, we don't have to wait until there is trauma to get help or to check in and offer ourselves a tune-up. What about daily things? Five minutes of meditation. Heck, one minute of meditation can make a huge difference. One minute of walking or jogging in place if you don't have access to a gym can make a huge difference. Picking up some milk cartons and doing arm curls with them can make a huge difference. I just think that we have to be open sometimes to, to doing things differently. Because sometimes the the trenches can be used as a reason not to move forward. Right. Well, think about like, I think it's, it's the priority that, you know, when somebody has a platform, they literally have a, a huge opportunity to bring something to light that may be, you know, a group of people mm-hmm. are like, no, we don't do that. I think about like Michael Phelps, a uh, famous swimmer. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. been doing commercials for I think it's Talkspace, which is yes. uh, right. Yes. Now, what if what if he said, or, "Oh, I I use this. Mm-hmm. A therapist was great for me." What yes. if LeBron James was repping that? Mm-hmm. Right. It'd be very different, very different for that. You yes. know. And I think like, okay, I get it. He's attaching himself to movies and Blaze Pizza and all that, and that's great. He mm-hmm. should do whatever he wants to do, and he's doing a school. I mean, that's amazing mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But this huge stigma of mental health, what if a very prominent uh, person in the black community attached themselves mm-hmm. to mental health? Then you, you start seeing some, they're all oh, really LeBron's into mental health. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. Maybe, you know, he, I think he's so tough. I wouldn't think he'd be, you know, we need to, right. people who have those platforms, you know, in many ways they have that responsibility. I go back to it again. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry didn't say anything, but by funding the Howard men's and women's golf program, right. all of a sudden you're going to have black people playing golf at Howard. Yes. That's huge. huge. That's huge. Huge. Right? They may produce another person on the PGA tour. A black, because you know, we, you know, we say, Oh, mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, where, where, ever since Tiger Woods, where's the, where's the black people in golf? Where yeah. are they? Yeah. Right. We thought they was going to usher in this whole wave of stuff. Mm-hmm. No, no. I actually think what Steph Curry's doing is probably going to actually do that. 
Yeah, especially at the collegiate level. Yes. There are quite a a few uh, black golfers that are not professional golfers. Right. And then there are a few out there that are professional golfers, but just haven't reached Tiger status. Right. Or been on the PGA Tour. Um, And so that is is something that's, that's needed, really is needed. You got to build a, a breeding ground. Mm-hmm. You got to build a, a platform, a stage. Mm-hmm. You know, people mm-hmm. feel, okay, I have access. It's yes. going to be funded. We're going to have scholarships. And then and then build the competition for that, you know? Yes, yes. It's, it's much like I had a friend. I have a friend who he, he asked me this question. I thought it was very interesting. He goes, why aren't there a lot of black people in like hockey and all these sports like that? He literally mm-hmm. didn't know. He didn't understand, mm-hmm. you know? I was like, well, you got to you got to think like if you go to any neighborhood, let's say there's a lot of black kids or even, mm-hmm. a, you know, a neighborhood maybe is more diverse. Nobody's checking for hockey in black yeah. neighborhoods. You know, there, tell me where mm-hmm. the ice skating rink is in the black yeah. neighborhoods. You know, the hockey facility, it ain't there. It's not, you know, we had an ice skating rink just about 15 minutes away from our house. But again, I shared with you the environment we grew up in it's different yeah yeah it's different um i know that is interesting or lacrosse or you know we could name so many sports i just don't know i think it's what we're led towards yeah we're being pushed towards basketball football Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know baseball has become a lot less for black athletes but we're being pushed towards these things that are popular in pop culture Yes. You know, we don't push people towards becoming other professions in the black communities. And I think that's hopefully right. changing. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, everything shouldn't be about becoming a rapper or a, a basketball player. Uh, I don't even all. know why you want to aspire to do that all the time. I don't, there's so many other things to do. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's what I, we prop up, you know? It is. And, and I think it's segregation at its best. Um, if you, you mentioned baseball, and then you also, when we were talking about Jamel Hill's comments with HBCUs, yeah. I, you know, there's a reason why the Negro League doesn't exist anymore. Right. But, but at one point, there was a huge need. There was a need. There yeah. was a need. And there's still a need for HBCUs. So there may not be a good analogy that I just made, but, <laughs> you know, because it's we were okay. talking about it. Um, yeah. It, that just came to mind when you mentioned baseball. Yeah, yeah. no, I just, it's just what we were pushed towards. And I tried to explain to him. Mm-hmm. It's like we were on, we were up at Whistler. Uh, it's basically the mm-hmm. number one outdoor. Yes. Well, yes. Out, it's an amazing place. Very and fun. We're sitting there and I like to mountain bike. You know, I love mm-hmm. mountain biking. Yes. Whistler's one of the greatest places on the planet. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting there at the Longhorn and uh, there is not one other African American. That mm-hmm. literally came through the entire day. Yeah. And I think I've been to Whistler six, seven times, and mm-hmm, I've maybe mm-hmm. seen one other black person one time, whole time there. Yeah. And he wasn't my buddy. He wasn't aware of this. And so I, I said, you know, you, you ever notice, like, you don't see anybody like me here? Like, nobody looks like me. He's like, I really didn't notice. You didn't actually. notice. Yeah. Yeah. But then he goes, I started noticing when I would come <laughs> up here. You and said like, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, why, why don't, aren't there more black people that come up to Worcester? I'm like, mm-hmm. we don't grow up being told to mountain bike, yeah. you know, like, and, and go up on a mountain and ski. 
that's not what our culture pushes towards us. You know, like it's, it's just I don't know. I didn't grow up knowing anybody who's I got the other day, like you never skied before. I'm like, my parents never skied a day in their <laughs> life. They never even thought about it. You well, know, the, the good thing is there are a lot of us skiing now. And I do think I think for our children's generation, it's going to look very different because all of my daughter's friends have been skiing once. We haven't taken her yet just because we're beach people. Yeah. But even with that, you know, a lot of us are, are liking swimming more and just things are changing. The paradigm's changing. I think they are. Mm-hmm, you know, I, mm-hmm. my, my daughter's little, little black eight-year-old little girl. She's beautiful. Mm-hmm, and I, I get, you know, I got her into swimming and she's doing ballet and stuff. Yeah. And, and I want her to do different things and not just mm-hmm. the things that we've been historically pushed towards to be, right. you know, and I think that's right. important, but like, I don't think it was funny talking to him, my buddy. Cause it was like, yeah, I mean, we're not being pushed to be doing these things. You know, you ever see black people mount, you know, like hang gliding and stuff like that. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, not until now. Not, I know I said, yeah. it's just, it's yeah. not what was pushed on us as right. we were growing up. It was like, yeah. Hey, play baseball, basketball, football, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these are your heroes. You know, this is these, this is, you know, what you should be pushing towards. So, you know, be, be right. in music business or something like that, you know? Yeah, I, and, all of those things are full for thought. They really are. You know, I, yeah. it's just funny, you know, and I think, you know, when you're not in that environment or you're not from that ethnicity, you don't mm-hmm. recognize, you can be in a place and not recognize that it's different for other people. Yes, this is true. Yeah, it's that tunnel vision. And yeah. a lot of us are very comfortable with those blinders and tunnel right. vision. Uh, because even though we've talked about black people almost this entire conversation, my Latino or my Asian American friends may would say, well, hey, this is what we experience. So again, back to your initial comments about it being a niche conversation, it doesn't negate the importance of, of anyone's plight, if you will. It just is what is relevant to us. And we are so multifaceted and multidimensional. We are just not one dimensional. And that I think is most important as we move forward as a people and realize yeah. we are so, we're so diverse, even within the culture. Yes. It's, be- it's a beautiful thing. It's just funny though, because like, there's still like remnants of things like it's even mm-hmm. that we think about like Asians, Asians, American, Asian Americans, mm-hmm. Indian Americans, all that. Mm-hmm. They, this is just my opinion. They travel much better than us to places that are not, that are off the beaten path. Like I, I make it a point to go to places mm-hmm. like Yellowstone mm-hmm. national park and Iceland and all that yes. stuff. Yes. And I'm telling you right now, I see so many people of Asian descent in these places. Mm-hmm. It's on, they travel, man. I'm telling yeah. you, they travel yeah. in big groups, and so mm-hmm. do Indian uh, in, uh, people of Indian descent. They travel hard all across yes. the world. We don't, yes, man. They do. We still don't. We do not. We. That, it's funny. I I go to Yellowstone. I've been there five times. I've maybe seen two black people there, and, yeah. I, and I've been there. And I'm like, why are we not going to places like this? All inspiring beauty oh. in Montana. Why do we not go to these places? 
I just don't know. I have a friend from D.C. And I actually have to connect. Well, not from D.C. He's from pretty much all over, like yourself. Mm-hmm. But his family were just in Oregon. And yeah. um, it just, it's interesting. I think that more and more it's happening. But slowly but surely. I think the thing is, here's, here's what shows a little bit of progress. Glass, ha- glass half full. <laughs> which I told mm-hmm. you is my, my preferable way sure. of living, is that 20, maybe 30 years ago, we wouldn't have even seen you there. That's so, true. The nice That's thing true. is <laughs> that you're there without being tortured. <laughs> and, right. and you're taking your kids. So then there's another generation. They'll yep. pass it down. And wherein my daughter wants to live in Paris and be a fashion designer. And so, yeah, she, so we're taking her to Paris soon. And so that things like that, it's just, you know, meanwhile, a few of her classmates have been two and three times already. So I I think that it's changing. And um, the more of us that do it, the, the more that those coming behind us, have a pipeline to do it as well and to travel. I think you're right. The world. I think you're right. Yeah. And when yeah. I go to these places, I'm very aware of mm-hmm. both my daughter mm-hmm. and myself that we are, we stick out pretty hardcore when we go mm-hmm. to these places. Yeah. But, I, but I, it's good because we need to start traveling to these places we and do. we need to start seeing the beauty of the world that it's, it's all over, you know, it's yes. like, I, it's not just in these kind of general places we normally mm-hmm. may go, you know? And yeah. It's, you know, like when I was growing up, my parents, they did a wonderful job. But like, you know, our vacations are basically like Disney World. Yeah. You know, it was like yeah. pretty, pretty like typical stuff that mm-hmm. people would do if they were middle class families. You yeah. know, you see, Mine a bunch, too. You would see, you know, right. You would yeah. see other <laughs> black people there here, yeah. you know, back in the 80s and stuff. Yeah. But like in their mind, going to Iceland was a non factor. Or going yeah. to, you know, Montana or South Dakota. Yeah. It just, they, they, it wasn't even in their mind. They, it, they didn't have the comprehension to think about going there. You know? Yeah, it, it's true. It's very true. And I, I can relate to what you're saying also. Of course, then on the flip side, there would be friends that would say they never had a chance to go to Disney World. And then right, or, or sure. Disneyland. And we happened to go to both when I was little. Right. Or, or friends maybe that did travel in Europe <laughs> right. during the summer. So I think there are pockets of us that have, have been exposed. I just don't think that we're one size fits all. We're just so multifaceted. And I, I love agree. that about us. I do. <clears throat> I do. I do too. I, I think there's a lot more to our ethnicity than that people mm-hmm. need to learn about. And, yeah. But I think it's our responsibility to get ourselves out there and say, hey, you know what? That next place you go, don't make it a typical place you might go normally. You know, yes. don't don't make it a priority to mm-hmm. always be around what you know all the time. Right. You right. Know, branch out there to these places, you know. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's OK if you may choose Iceland and I may choose yeah. Spain because yeah. I don't like cold weather. So that, you know, <laughs> it's OK, maybe yeah. a, a, a thing, but also it's just something different, something different, something yeah. new. 
yeah. something new. So I wanted to get back a little bit to this, the uh, Oprah deal. So what, yeah. what was the kind of conclusion or what was the kind of the, the feeling afterwards? And mm-hmm. take me through that. Well, the host ended up guiding the conversation and it actually, the show, the episode four, the, the episode that I participated in airs on Saturday, September mm-hmm. the 14th at 10 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, the conclusion was we have so much work to do, but we have to take care of ourselves because if we do not take care of ourselves, then we can do none of the work that needs to be done. Oh, my goodness. Well said. Yeah, that was it. I mean, we have to be here. The people that love us need us here mentally and physically. We have to. It's it's non-negotiable. I think we expect... Sometimes I think as, a, as of our ethnicity, sometimes we mm-hmm. expect our ethnicity to have this greatness, but we don't exactly do it ourselves. Yes. With that, I you agree. know, if you want those expectations, you have to do it yourself first. It's true. And, and lead we, with that, you know. And we cannot wait until we hit a brick wall or have a crisis situation, which this is mm-hmm. life. It, you know, things, things happen. Um, but let's just work on ourselves a little bit in the meantime, so that when those blows happen, it isn't quite as big as it may have been if we were not taking care of ourselves. So what's Oprah's initiative with all this? What's, uh, you know, to have all this? What's well, kind of the, the process here? Well, so I, I'd be remiss if I didn't also acknowledge that another network, Ozzy, O-Z-Y, mm-hmm. uh, partnered with Oprah on this. And Ozzy actually created a series of shows uh, highlighting other groups. One was uh, Asian Americans. Mm -hmm. Another was white women, uh, black men. And each time, each episode from each series, uh, another was Hispanic Americans. Each episode took a segment or an audience of 100 of the same quote unquote kind if you will I, and see. I don't like saying kind because <laughs> it's it. very yeah. yeah very yeah I get uh, the connotation behind yeah. it yeah uh, but for lack of a better way of saying that Ozzy launched these episodes and went into certain cities the black male episode happened to be in Baltimore Maryland and it was around the Black Lives Matter uh-huh. uh, topic and very heated and they did several really? episodes yes and then they're, the producers and creators of Ozzy went to Oprah and pitched the show. And Oprah said, I think this is great. I would love to continue, but I know how it could be better. <laughs> and she <laughs> said, with Black women. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, so it, they want to continue. Uh, just not sure how at this juncture that's going to be done and what that will look like. But it was an amazing experience for me to be a part of it. And I've been getting feedback with uh, episodes one through three that it's been amazing for uh, people to watch also. Wow. In particular, Black women. I think that there are times that we see ourselves portrayed in a certain way what on would that TV. Be? Um, I think that there's a lot of misogynistic television <laughs> concerning black women. I mean, there. I know what you're talking about, but <laughs> yes. I need you to tell everybody else. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, we we come in all different shapes, colors, and sizes. Uh, there are women that may, on this show, if you glance in the audience, appear to be Caucasian. 
but mm-hmm. they 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 are they identify as a black woman. Right. There was one woman that was very very dark skin and stood up and mentioned that we were the most black women she had ever been around and mm-hmm. she did not have any black friends because right. like you she just could not relate to a lot of the experiences of black women well before she left she had a community of 99 other women <laughs> that actually right, right. were um, a part of her so that i think the another good thing was fostering community i also think aside from the misogyny on tv concerning black women there is this this underlying competitive nature with black women that's often shown whether it's on some of the reality tv shows when black women are pulling each other's hair and throwing drinks (laughs) at each other (laughs) or (laughs) okay you real ghetto behavior as we would say you know housewives of like ball you know basketball I just yes, don't like those shows, man. I just really, it's a negative light in my opinion. Yeah, but, well, know, I see, I see, I try to be open-minded with everything. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you're trying I, hard. Yeah, I, I know a couple <laughs> of people on those shows, and I know that ultimately those shows have in turn helped their businesses. Sure. And then in turn, um, one woman in particular uh, is an OBGYN, now she's just done so much for the community and cancer survivors, breast cancer yeah. survivors. And so it's given her a platform. Um, and, and I would have to say that this particular woman, the way she represents herself is definitely um, uh, warrants, warrants yeah. being a queen, if you will. Uh, but just having so many women from different backgrounds to show the vast fastness if you will of our of our community it's just beautiful and i think oprah just wanted to show that yeah i think i like how you definitely uh got around that whole that last segment there you really you're like going around landmines there Lene. i mean you know, well, of course, you're in TV, so I guess you understand how to avoid these landmines. Here. Some of them are landmines, and I prefer not to be blown up. David. I understand. <laughs> I understand. You know, but I think it's. Yeah. I think it really comes down to also this kind of. I think I've honestly. I like to put this out there because you know I don't know who listens to the show. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, I everybody, and I mean it's in like thirteen countries, yeah, thirty-seven states. A lot of people listen to my it's show. Great, but yeah. I, I thank you, it. but I don't know how many black people listen to the show, and mm-hmm. I, I would love more to. But I think sometimes I have struggled with what it means to be black. What is mm-hmm. my blackness? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and mm-hmm. I think that sometimes gets called into question amongst. Mm-hmm amongst hmm. us of, you know what is your blackness you know how much mm-hmm. how you know how how much do you feel about being, you mm-hmm. ha, do you celebrate it enough you know are you black mm-hmm. enough you know and black black people come in so many shades and colors and differences absolutely I mean, and, I like from schools, black, of, thought, you know? schools yeah. of thought yeah yeah i mean my mother looks like she, she you know people often ask her if she is black Right. You know, it's just different, different. We're so beautiful, so diverse. And Very. the woman that stood up and mentioned that she did not have any black girlfriends said that she had experienced the same thing. 
that she question, you know, she has her blackness questioned. The right. thing about it is that I don't believe you have to prove anything to anybody at any given time. I also integrity is important. So I always try not to say anything that I could not back up either with some scientific evidence yeah. or couldn't look in the mirror the next day and say, Ooh, what was I thinking when I said that? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I definitely, um, I'm not necessarily concerned with those that might would the term sell out or uh-huh. feeling like we are maybe airing some dirty laundry. If yeah. it may, may be undercover because I I stand by everything that we've said today. Oh from yeah, advocating no. for for mental health, exercise. So those things and talking about issues in no way negates me being a black woman or you being a black man. The way no. we, we speak in no way negates you being a black man, me be, being a black woman. Our level of education. Your name being Dr. Darian has in no way negates you being a black man. I I just think that a lot of times things can be used as excuses. Yeah. And no, it's time to move forward. I refuse to accept it. I think we need, I think we are moving forward. And these, Mm -hmm. you know, the show that you were on, I think is a, is a great opportunity. Um, I can't wait to watch it. Honestly, I really can. I'm going to have my mom watch it. My dad. Just to see, you know. It'll I think be it's... interesting. I riled things up a little bit, I'll tell you. Um, you did? Yeah, just a little. And we'll see if it makes the edit. Because <laughs> I, I believe that traditional is good, but now it's time for us to find alternative ways to do things. I see. Mm-hmm. So we will learn. So, ba- I mean, I know you're not going to give this away, but basically <laughs> until it comes out, but you want to move forward. You know, we want to, and we will, if, you know, we will see the Mm -hmm. context of that on, on your, your feelings about that. Yes. And it's just a brief time that I speak. I'll say that my hope is that the, the producers mindfully choose to allow our, our black girl magic to show. There were some some women that, I, I feel it's it's necessary to, to talk about our plight. It is. But I need for us to talk about our triumphs, too. And yeah. not be afraid to shine bright and to, to talk about how wonderful we are. There is yeah. no shame in that. And I will be glad when we can do that more. But what's interesting, though, is like, sounds like the one you run with the 100 Black women was, mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about stuff that's happened, but sounds more like forward moving. Now, I don't know this, but you mentioned with the, the 100 black men, you said it got heated. And I was like, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. in, in some ways, I expected you to say that on some level. Yeah, you know? probably back to what you were saying about the, the hyper masculine. I'm telling you, it just being a man, you have yes. this, you know, the oh, testosterone, testosterone. But then I think yeah. you add in, especially this is weird hyper masculinity, which I yes. do think is changing. I really do. Um, especially as more black men become wealthier over the course of their life and they're not growing mm-hmm. up and, and they're taking, they're making sure that they're being fathers to their children and they're yes. taking, you know, it's, I think it's, there's less of this need or feeling to be overcome this lack of uh, father mm-hmm. figures in yeah. their life, you know, or as 
Um, you know, and so I think I think we're definitely seeing a change in that. But it's kind of like I always remember that Chris Rock uh, special when he said, "Oh, let me say, I'll, I'll take care of my kids." Like you're supposed to take care of your kids. Like, <laughs> yes. What are you talking about? Like it's like no a, other way. <laughs> that's like normal. Like you shouldn't be feel good about. Oh, I take care of my kids. You know, you don't like, deserve a medal. Right. I think a lot yeah. of black comedians crack me up because they 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 kind of make fun of the plight of mm-hmm. black people or yeah. it's hilarious it's hilarious because <laughs> you laugh because you've experienced it you yes. know and yes. you're like yeah it's yeah i get true. that i get that you know and uh, but it's 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 important to see i think black people doing well it is and it is it's, it's important. so important and i'm telling you i didn't care a cent about it when i was in my 20s not a drop mm-hmm. i was not into it I didn't feel connected to it, but every decade in my 30s and now in my 40s, I feel way more connected to it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have a responsibility in doing this podcast and have my own businesses, be an entrepreneur. Yes. I need to do well, not just for me and my family, but for black people. I need to do well. I yeah. love it. I love it. I do. And, and then you can still go to Whistler. And still go to exactly. <laughs> it doesn't take anything away from it you takes being nothing a proud away from that. black yeah. man. I love that. That's right. That's but amazing. we need to do well, and black women need to do well, and need to be characterized in the right light too. And you we don't want do. to be characterized in the right light. We and not do. Sacrifice yourself to get something and be characterized in the wrong light. Yeah, that that's very true. And not be afraid to champion and celebrate our wins. It's okay. Yeah. It, it is okay. It's totally to be okay. Great. It's okay to be great. It's totally fine. It so I, yeah. I, I, I think like this conversation we've had today is something that I may have just not been that into many years mm-hmm. ago, just because I didn't have a lot of connection to it. But I think the more I've traveled, mm-hmm. the more I've seen, the more it, important it is. Yeah. And that's okay, too. Yeah. Everybody comes to things in different times. And be easy on yourself. And you know what? If some days you still aren't into it, that's okay, too. Because it doesn't take away from who you are and your path. Maybe your path is more of a a Stephon Curry path. Right. His his grandmother is white. And so it just maybe your path is is to, to help all people but yeah. at the same time help your people too it, it's okay it's it, i think that we all have our own way and and it's all good yeah i think so well and hey, thank you this was a powerful part too of thank our conversation you. and thank i'm so you. happy for you that you so, were on the you. show we're going to share Thank you sure. so much. I'm so grateful and, and and appreciate these conversations that we've had. It really, Most really definitely. has been wonderful. I'm so honored. Saturday, you said Saturday, the Saturday, episode's coming out. Yes, at 10 p.m. Eastern Time okay. on the OWN Network, O-W-N, Oprah Winfrey Network. Yes. And we'll have some clips maybe online that we could share, stuff like that coming up. We should. Yes, we should. I'll have to uh, circle back with you on that. But in the meantime, I can be reached via my website, www.holisticperformancecenter.com. And I'll have information there. Perfect. Well, thanks again for your time, Lene. And Thank I'm sure you. we'll be in, in contact here very yes, soon. Absolutely. I look forward to it.
You got it. Have a nice day. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye, Dr. Parker. Bye-bye.